0: Father God, would you open our hearts and minds? We love your word. We we need to be fed. We need to be prophetically challenged. We need to be strengthened. Lord, we want to be your men and women. We want to inherit our, our, our blessings. We want to walk in all that you have for us. Make us strong. Feed us. Lord, and we, we open our eyes, we open our ears to see and hear the things of God. We incline soft hearts to walk in faith with what is truly your word. Grace me now to speak your word and not mine. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, and we're looking at scattered. I'll show you what that means. We saw the uh, stoning there of Stephen and uh, All that that meant. And then we pick up right now where this is, it is just, he has just died. And then it says this, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem began. And they were all scattered. Would you say scattered? scattered? I'm going to show you the word that Luke actually uses in just a minute. They were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church. The word is is like a wild animal tearing its prey. Uh, Pretty ugly picture. Uh, Paul actually will later on describe some of the things he did. I've got some references in here. Entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. And he goes on to say, and have them beaten and executed. When he's giving an explanation later on. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Now, I'm gonna read on down to verse eight. I'm not gonna pick up on the story of Philip, except, except in, a, in, a, in a certain sense. Philip went down to the city of Samaria And began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. And you recall that the Samaritans are another culture. And they are a, there is a great distance between Jews and Samaritans, a lot of hatred, a lot of, lot of bad feelings. This is a cross-cultural thing. Philip, not Philip, the, not Philip the Apostle, Philip the Evangelist goes to Samaria. What difference does that make? Well, you'll see in a minute. What had been an amazingly joyful season for the church in Jerusalem is suddenly thrown into turmoil. Stephen is publicly stoned, and the temple authorities feel they now have enough popular support to send soldiers into the city to hunt down believers from house to house, to put them in prison, then to beat and execute them. The effect of this violence was to scatter believers. They fled the city for their lives. Luke says, and there was in that day a great hunt upon the church isn't that a chilling term that is the word like you hunt an animal like a fox hunt suddenly now the undoubtedly the levitical the levitical uh police are now surging through the city romans aren't going to do this this is levitical police The, the the temple has released them they're going house to house they're hunting down christians like you'd hunt an animal And all were, now here's the word that scattered is the way it translated. All were sown out into the rural countrysides of Judea and Samaria. What's sown? Like sowing seed. you see it? And that is the word. Sowing seed. They were sown like seed. Out into the rural countrysides of Judea and Samaria, except the Apostles. He pictures believers being sown like a farmer sows seeds. They were scattered far and wide through the surrounding countrysides, being careful to avoid those cities where they might be recognized and arrested. At this point, it might seem God's work was severely hindered. But then Luke adds this statement, therefore the ones being sown passed through these regions, preaching the word about Jesus. With that one statement, Luke shows us that this persecution didn't stop the church. It expanded it. It turned a lot of people into missionaries. It forced them to go to Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the earth. The very places Jesus had told his disciples to go after they were clothed with power from on high. The meaning of go. A few years ago, it was popular to ask the question, what part of go don't you understand? How many heard that? Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't, you missed it. Um, People say, what part of go don't you understand? And I'd always go, yeah. But I never was sure what that meant. Do you remember there was also what part of no don't you understand? Yeah, that's a parental thing. It was assumed that the answer was obvious. Go means go. But to be honest with you, I still don't understand exactly what go means. It's very confusing. I mean, which direction? Go where? And which? How far? To whom? And do what? The world is a big place. I need God to be a bit more specific. To just rush off in any direction seems foolish. But Jesus' command, at the very least, means it's not okay to do nothing. After all, he did say go. So I need to understand this thing. What do you mean? What does it mean for me to go? Where? To whom? And do what? The apostles. These statements do apply to us, of course. But first of all they applied to the 12. They were the ones he was looking at when he said it. Let's, let's read this. Here's Matthew 28. I just want to I want you to hear some of these passages telling us to go. Read read it, read this with me. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now read Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Yeah, does that sound like go? Yeah, I mean, there's no question here that we have been told to go. So we need to figure this out. What does it mean? What does it mean for me? Jesus, now in particular with the apostles, this was spoken to them. They were standing there. He's looking at them when he said it. He told them where. He said, go. And he said, where? Acts 1.8. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. So they've been told to go where? Jerusalem. Come on. This is elemental, but it it wasn't for them. Uh, Jesus told them when they were to go. That's an interesting point. Luke 24, 49. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then when you are clothed with power from on high, what? Yeah. So two or three years later, apparently no one is left. After all, who wants to leave the fellowship? Imagine the fellowship. We, who, who, it's got to be hundreds of homes are meeting daily in, in house meetings. I mean, you've got, oh, who knows how many by now, but you're in the tens of thousands. Uh, just all through the city, meeting daily in homes, the fellowship, they're eating together, they're praying together, they're develop- they've got strong friendships. Who wants to leave that, for heaven's sake? The, the, the preaching. I mean, if you think... Just threw that out for a joke. Can you imagine the preaching that you heard from Peter and Andrew, James and John? I mean, so, the, so you're saying... So Andrew, tell us again when there weren't, is, wasn't any food for everybody. What did you say to him? I, I said, there's not enough money. And, and, and what did he say? You know, he says, tell him all to sit down. And then how did it look? And what did you do with that bread? How did he break that stuff? I mean, can you imagine listening to that? Oh, ho, ho. such fun. Who'd leave that? The miracles, the amazing growth. I mean, you are You are rocking. It is the people are pouring in by the crowd loads is the way Luke would put it. That's his language. The prayer, these guys have a, not just a little bit of prayer. They got this morning prayer meeting as far as I can see. All the leaders are there. Everybody's there. It's prophetic. They're pressing in. God's showing up. They're just talking to him. They're praying their hearts out. They're bringing down walls and opening doors. They got a prayer meeting. Who wants to leave that? There had been some official harassment and probably a lot of family tension, but every organized attempt to stop the church had been miraculously prevented. God doesn't cause persecution. He didn't say, all right, I'm going to... You know, if if you aren't going to leave Jerusalem, then I'm going to have him stone Stephen. That is not what happened. But he sure uses everything, doesn't he? If we stop listening and miss his guidance, we can experience unnecessary levels of opposition. And I'm suggesting to you, and, and this is, I do it really tentatively, that I think the apostles apparently had missed their assignment. Now, when, we, when I get to heaven, I'm just sure I'm going to meet them. And they may, you know, hopefully they're not listening in on this stuff. So, Shel, come here a minute. Heard a sermon on Acts 8 from you. Um, can I fill you in on what really happened? So I, I say this tentatively. I am not accusing these great men and women. They, they, these, these are our fathers and mothers in the Lord, and I am not. But it does seem like the Lord told them where, that they were to go. He told them where they were to go, and he told them when they were to go, and it doesn't appear they've done it. And even as we find out in Acts 6, remember where they were. they said, you have this problem between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. They go to prayer and the Lord tells them it's what you're doing is not pleasing to me. They were still running the benevolence program. They apparently his will had stopped over here and they kept going. That happens easily in all of us with this level of blessing, with the level of power, with a level of grace that's on this fellowship. I, I would have missed it too. I wouldn't have left either. I mean, I'm not setting myself better. It just appears that they've stayed too long. Yes, there will always be persecution, but we can do things that make it worse. It appears the apostles had, to some degree, ignored the Lord's command by remaining in Jerusalem too long. If so, they had unintentionally ignored people who were waiting to be saved. You still got Acts 8 open? Look, look there at verse 12. Philip went Not because he was following this command. He's not, this isn't the apostles. The apostles haven't gone there. They will show up in a minute, two of them. Philip goes to where? Samaria. Why would you go to Samaria? Because the Samaritans hate the Jews. And if you're being persecuted by the Jews, this is a safe harbor. This is where you want to go, man. If you're in trouble with the Jews, you're popular in Samaria. It's like, what'd you do, man? That's cool. So this is the safe place to be. They've gone into, he's gone into, he's fled into a safe zone. But in that, in that group of Samaritans that no one would have bothered to go to, because who cares about them? There's a whole bunch of people waiting to hear the gospel and are going to get saved. So Philip shows up, what's he do? He starts preaching. And what happens? You've got a mass movement of Samaritans. Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And then just let your eye go down to verse 25. I'll fill you in. Philip, for whatever reason, we'll investigate that another time, does not seem to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people. He gets them to repent. He gets them to believe. He water baptizes them. He himself moves in the power of the Spirit but he doesn't get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know why, but the apostles knew he didn't. And so when they heard this was happening, they sent Peter and John down there. Peter and John minister the baptism of the Spirit. Everybody ends up Pentecostal, as they should be. And then it says here, verse 25, so when they, meaning Peter and John, had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem And we're preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So on the way home, they just go village to village along the road and preach the gospel. And people are receiving Christ everywhere. At some point along that road, I would suppose Peter might have looked at John and said, Weren't we supposed to be here? Didn't he tell us to come here? Look at the response. What if Philip hadn't gone? Here's the horror of it. There were a whole bunch of people who were ready to receive Jesus. And if someone hadn't come, they wouldn't have. You got to see that. You got to see that. This is serious. We're we're not, they they didn't go where they were told to go. There were people who would die without Christ. Because they didn't obey. Probably without realizing it, believers fled for their lives to the very places Jesus had told them to go. Like a farmer sowing seed, God scattered them outward into the surrounding regions and across cultural barriers. People who were looking for God finally got the chance to hear the truth and be saved. By the way, did you notice everybody left Jerusalem, but the 12, the very ones, he had personally commanded to go. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. Some of them could have stayed and ran, run, run the show. I mean, you'd, I don't know. Later on, they would. Let's, let's, let me defend them. Later on, they would all go. Uh, later on, you'd have, you'd, I mean, you had Thomas in India. You had Matthias in Ethiopia. I mean, they're, they're, Peter and his wife are traveling and ministering all over, uh, certainly in Rome, and that's where he, he, and, he and she died, uh, etc. So they, they did move. They did get out of town. Uh, But not here. Have you ever had people ask you, why would you go to a place like Myanmar? Don't we have enough needs right here? How many have heard such things? (sighs) The way I want to answer is, look, why don't you just hold that question, get on the plane and go. And then you come back and tell me how you feel. It, 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 is, it, is, it is filled with ignorance. Were there still needs in Jerusalem? Sure. But there's something about the heart of God. It isn't for you to decide. We, well, there's still needs here. So I'm going to let the rest of them all die and go to hell. I'm going to just cover my home, my home turf, my own family. My own comfort zone. There's a, there's a place where I got to get out. How, how many are glad that 10 people that we prayed for got on an airplane and flew all the way there, sent all that medical stuff and everything else, and set up clinics and ministered? How many are glad they went to Myanmar? How many are glad that there's 259, and that's the last clinic? That's the, by the way, my wife said... Four entire villages came down out of the mountains. Four entire villages came down out of the mountains to to hear about the Lord and receive care. How many know that Jesus knew those people were there? Hearts that were open, hearts that were soft, hearts that if someone just came and told them the truth about Jesus, they they would believe it and they would step into eternity and belong to him forever. You following this? How many think he knew they were there? How many are glad somebody went? Therein is the, is the, is the wonder and the horror of it all. What we do does matter. We, we'd love to just take that yoke of responsibility and dump it off and say, no, no, God's got it all covered. Somebody will do it. If I don't, somebody will. That's nonsense. We're comforting ourselves. How many people do you know going and talking about the Lord anywhere? You don't. No, you do matter. The message that's in your heart matters. The relationships and the context matter. The things the Holy Spirit says to you and where he tells you to go matters. People's eternity is hinging upon it. Now you call me names if you want and say I'm loading a guilt trip. I'm sorry, it's the truth. I'm not trying to load a guilt trip, but we do have to see the way things are because it does matter. put simply god sows people people sow the word would you say that god sows people, people sow the word. yeah he takes you and sows you you sow the word jesus had told them to go and if they will not obey then he will push how does he do this in our lives fortunately not always with violent persecution divine gets content I may become restless, uh, unsatisfied, struggle to maintain focus, have a hard time finding vision for the future. You may find yourself in a situation where you've been placed, everything's fine, and then suddenly it's like, like, the, like the pleasure of God just lifts. And you just feel wh- wh- unsatisfied, lacking focus. I keep trying to find vision for things. Uh, I can't find it. Anyone feel ever been in that situation? God's lifting his hand. He's, he's beginning to give you what we call divine discontent. He's unsettling you so that you'll move. So that you'll move. Now, I, I give a, a caution here. This must not be mistaken for spiritual dryness because I've not practiced essential spiritual disciplines. So if I'm not nurturing my spiritual life and I feel I have no vision and I have no thing and I get tired, and that's, that's your spiritual uh, dryness. It's not guidance but you settle the difference between it spirit divine opposition circumstances may change and i find i'm being forced out of what is familiar and secure you suddenly get fired you you know or 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 the or the or the relationship breaks off been there done that this may be the result of persecution or merely unforeseen change I, i could tell stories but you could you know those things You're you're in a situation then all of a sudden, it's like the circumstances just are moving and churning and you're just getting pushed out. That's not a bad thing. If this is God doing it, that's not a bad thing. Because he always knows where he's taking you. It's never just pushed. It's always led. Divine direction. God says in his word, he doesn't want to guide us like a horse or a mule, which must be controlled by bit and bridle. Here's how he wants to guide us. Would you read that with me? I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God says, I'm going to guide you and I'm watching you and know your ways and I'm invested in you constantly. That's what the eye upon you means. Isn't that lovely? He's watching you. He knows you. He is with you all the time. What happens in your life matters to him greatly. I've just been, I've been reading in in, in the Proverbs. And the Lord just says, he hears the prayer of the righteous. And the morning I was just, I just said, because of Christ, you hear me. You're listening, man. I mean, you're hearing what I'm praying. You're watching my life. You're invested in me. And he says, I want to guide you. Not like a a horse that you have to pull and shove and kick on the sides and all that. He says, I want to just talk to you. Just want to, I want to tell you, turn left, turn right go right here. This is my call for you. He wants us to listen and choose to do what he says. Where should I go? The, that depends on what he says. Everyone is told to go, but each person has a different assignment. Some are supposed to move somewhere. I've had people come to me and say, pastor, we're gonna, we're, I'm quitting my job. Uh, we're, I love it here, I love my job, but I've got to move to another state because my parents don't know Christ. I've got to go back there, get a job, and try to find a church and take them. What are they? Missionaries. That's mission. They are going because the Lord has spoken to their heart. They must do this. That's it's mission, just as much as if they went to Myanmar. Some people are told to stay somewhere. You want out. You're tired of the rain, you're tired of the cold, you're tired of the dark, it. They must need Jesus in Arizona. There's a lot of people who thought of that before you. I'll tell you. And God says, no, no, your call's here, man. Just wipe the moss off. Some, some of us are called to work somewhere. God's put you in a company or a situation and you say, I'm the only Christian in the place. Hallelujah. You are, you are the seed that he's sown in that fertile soil. You got the infection. You got the disease. You're the contagious one. So he puts you in the middle of that thing and then just says, now live it out with me. Just walk with me. Listen to me. Last for divine appointments. Pray for your people. And watch what happens as time goes on. You got the disease. You're the one who spreads and, has, and, the, and the gospel goes out. of. So you're called into that place. You're called into that classroom. You're called into that situation. You may be called into that school. That's your calling. It's your mission field. You're going. You may attend an event. Class reunions. Ooh. I didn't have to go to my high school. Because I was, I was somewhere else, hallelujah. I mean, I would have gone. It's not like I don't, well, it's. I was not looking forward to the thought. I went to an all-boys high school, private high school. Can you imagine that? And, oh boy, will it be fun having the Pentecostal pastor, Steve Schell, come in. I was going to go, and I was going to pay the price, and I was going to just ask God. I was going to do it, but I, I was in Holland at the time. I did go to my college reunion. Felt, and, and, and what are you going for? I'm not just going to see the ivy-covered walls. You're going because there's relationships and people, and you're seeing, you know, and yes, indeed. One, one fellow I'd led to the Lord, hadn't been walking with God, drove all the way down from Minneapolis, you know, came down just to talk. Divide appointment. You, uh, you literally go to these sorts of events. You go there because they're a mission field. You go there for people. Everything's about people. You, you, you make friends or using common interests. You may join a sports team to meet people. You may get in a music organization to, to meet people. You're not just there to get a shallow evangelism, but you're looking for connections. You're looking for opportunities. You're looking for open doors. And you feel God's told you to do it. Going doesn't mean you have to get on an airplane. It may mean that. And if he says it, you do it. Jesus told us in the parable of the Good Samaritan that at its most basic level, to go means to help people that come across my path during the day. At Good Samaritan, he wasn't looking for an evangelistic opportunity. He was on a business trip. And here's a needy person. Jesus is teaching us a very important thing. Open your eyes as you go through your day and the needs that are alongside your road are yours. So when you, you, you have these divine appointments, you wake up and begin to live your day differently. Taking the first step. To go means to cross the social barrier first. Anybody shy in here? Anybody afraid to raise your hand right now? No. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I am and I was raised by a very shy uh, woman, and, and, and it, 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 the whole thing, going across the social barrier first, wouldn't you rather wait for people to come to you, to say something to you? It's painful to be the one who initiates, who goes across and risks rejection, okay? so. I go up and say, hi, how are you? Somebody may go, you know, not have time. And that hurts. So I like to avoid that. So I kind of put the wall up. Go. At its most basic is that I'm willing to cross that bridge first. And there's a cost to it and there's a reward to it. But that I'm willing to initiate and reach out to other people out of my comfort zone. I don't wait for people to meet. I reach to them. I say hello. I'm friendly. I invite someone to sit with me. Sit, I sit beside someone who looks lonely. I do this not as a loveless tactic. This isn't a game. But as a genuine lifestyle. God loves people. And, and, the, and, his, and his compassion motivates me. Uh, one of my children. My middle daughter particularly. When she was little. I mean in effect she's still doing it. But when she was little. On the playground, uh, Rebecca would look around and she would spot the little child who had, was lonely and off by themselves. And it was just, no one told her to do this. It just, and then she'd go over and she'd befriend that person. Isn't that sweet? That's the heart of God. It, 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 it ceases to be about me. It's not standing there going, who notices me? The fact is nobody, you know. You know, it's really true. We're all kind of wondering who notices me. And so somebody has to get out of that zone and say, hi, want to have lunch? That is going. I mean, that's a very important thing. That's how this process happens. Person to person. How do I prepare myself for this? Pursue God until I have a genuine breakthrough and a real testimony. This sounds so elemental. and I won't spend a lot of time here. But when you have something that's really worked for you, you'll tell others. Uh, I'm, I am so annoying. If you get around me somewhere where we're eating, I will start talking to you about the South Beach diet. My wife put us on it years ago. And, 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 I, and I figured this out about sugar and all of this. And so I will just make you miserable while you eat. I... There's one pastor in, in, in Foursquare. He says, I go on the, on the Steve Shell diet. That's all. He says, look at all the weight I've lost. He says, I sit there and think, what would Steve Shell say? And, and he says, that does it. I don't eat. You know. So why do I tell you all about this? Practically make enemies. I got one lady in town. You know, she told me her husband was having heart disease. And boy, I, I, I was merciless. And, and now we're friendly, but not the way it was. Why am I telling her this stuff? Because it works, man. And it w- worked for me. And, and, and let's, let's protect your husband's health. Let's, let's you know, it, it's not about appearance, it's about health and strength and choosing life. And, oh, I can get into this thing. Can you see? I could sell you a diet in a moment. <laughs> Why? Because I believe in the thing. When it's worked for you, when Jesus works for you, when you find life there, you don't have to get prodded to say something. You're, you're hard to be quiet down. Because it works. You believe in it. You don't have this guilty conscience. If it doesn't work for you and somebody's just pushing you out the door saying, you know, go out and tell them you ought to go to church. And, and, and you hate church. You know, if you really love them, you keep your mouth shut. I'm going to do to you what happened to me. I write down my testimony. This, I, I just threw this in because I just heard something so profound. And it really, it just reminded me, right? Can you, do you have a testimony? If you've come to Jesus Christ, what did he save you from? What happened to you as he's come into your life? How are you different because of Jesus? Can you say that in about five minutes? Clearly and briefly. Because that is your most powerful witness when you go out sharing Jesus, it isn't that you just give gospel facts. I mean, you may well do that because the person is ready. But the, the point of connection, the point of entree into someone's life is where there's an opportunity. You can say, can I tell you what he did for me? It's as, it's as simple as that. I was reading about, a, or a hearing actually, I just was at one of these things I went to. I did the Friday services and the other fellow did the Saturday service. And, he was talking about an organization that went, and I think this was with China, and all all they would do is teach people to write their testimony and and, and give it in less than five minutes. He would write it out, and then they also taught people how to teach others to write their testimony. Ten years later, they had baptized 1.2 million people. That's all they did. What are they doing? They're empowering people to share their faith in Christ, and then empowering them to teach others how to share their faith in Christ. That's how you, That's how a movement happens. That's how a movement happens. Each day, prepare yourself to step into the mission field. Each day, prepare yourself to step into the mission field. Morning devotions, and I have that RSVP thing. I, that's my own personal. I read, I sing, because Dietrich Bonhoeffer says we should. Uh, we lift our voices with the church, so it isn't pretty. This morning, I sang the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Anyway, and then I have a a memory verse, and then I have prayer. I'm preparing myself. I'm waking myself up. I'm getting in the spirit. Do this regularly because just getting fresh. And then remind yourself to walk in the spirit. As you go to meeting to meeting or situation to situation, whatever it is, even about to pick up the telephone, Lord, guide me. God guide me. I'm watching you. I'm listening for you. Watch for divine appointments. Ask for them. What's a divine appointment? It's something God sets up. God arranges this thing. He opens the door. He prepares the way. All I have to do is be watching for it and then responsive when it comes. How many have asked for divine appointments? Do you get them? Isn't it amazing? It is. I mean, it's, it's downright strange. You know, you'll be going along and somebody say, so... Can you tell me anything about God? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like you have to be Mr. Pushy, in your face. It, you just say, God, open a door. I'm, I'm listening. I'm watching. And then watch. Why does He do that? Because there's a He cares so much about people. There are there's so many people who need someone to tell them. So when you open yourself, he is absolutely thrilled. You bet he won't waste that. Pray regularly for those with whom you are in frequent contact. You know, on our little LTG thing, our life transformation group thing, it has those lists of prayers for for unsaved people. Use that. That's a great place to start. You know, as soon as you start praying those prayers, people start coming to the Lord. They really do. Be kind, pure, honest, and happy. If you're not happy, if there's nothing that's worked for you, they aren't likely to want it. Do, do, you, do they see a difference in us that they would want? Weaknesses faced honestly are not a problem. No one expects us to live trouble-free lives. Sometimes the way we suffer is the greatest witness. You'd be surprised. you think, I've just gone through so much, and people have watched you go through so much gracefully. They could tell that there was some help in your life that they didn't have. It's a very powerful witness participate in a mission or ministry where I can expect it to speak for God. Join something, go on a mission team, a ministry, ASF, Life Group, LTG, where you're supposed to open your mouth and talk about God. Support others who do go. This passage I quote, and this is just an important concept. When you pray for the Myanmar team, when you set yourself and say, I will stand in the gap for them, spiritually, God rewards you as if you'd gone. I give you a verse there that is a very important one. In fact I'll read it it is so important David after a battle his some of the men came back and some men had stayed by the baggage defending that and others had gone to war and the ones that came back from the war said we're not going to share the loot of what we've won with those who just stayed with the baggage and David said this he said in fact, read it with me as his share is who goes down to the battle so shall his share be who stayed by the baggage. They shall share alike. And then the next verse says, and this became a statute in Israel from that day forth. In other words, whatever part you play, you don't have to be the out front person. You don't have to be the one who's doing it. Whatever part you play, God sees the whole. And he blesses you equally with the other people. For the real shy, for the real timid, You come in another another role. It's as though you were out front. God sees it all as one. Isn't he lovely? He's not driving us. He loves us. He knows us. Keep doing this one way or another for the rest of your life. Last point. Precious treasure. Why does all of this matter? Why do I have to go? Because what you know, what you and I know, is enormously precious. You know God. And what a person must do to live with him forever. And it's just not right to keep that to yourself. Every person on the planet is dying one day at a time. And at some point will step into eternity and they don't cease to exist. They will either cross over knowing God or be separated from him. And that separation cannot be changed on the other side. So you and I can't be silent. We can't be passive. We can't sit and watch while people perish. All God asks of us is that we go where he tells us to go. You and I don't have to win the whole thing. You aren't going to win all of the fish in the sea. But you and I have a responsibility to fish where he told us to fish. To reach the people he told us to reach. You and I have a responsibility when he says go to go. Why? It does matter. the longer I've been a pastor, the more I read the word. It's not a matter for me of faith anymore. I really feel I know. People do not cease to exist when the body dies. You are spirit. And when we cross over, Without God. You now go into an eternity. Of separation from him. If you go to places like a care center with the elderly. You can literally see the division happening already. You can watch those who know him. They may not know what day it is. But you can see they know him. And you can watch those who do not. Already in the agonies. As it were. Of eternity. It breaks my heart. I I pray all the time. For the care center I'm part of, it has made me made me tender. It it makes me realize this is not a game. This is important. It makes me say, I don't care how old I feel. I've got to keep going till I can't stop. That doesn't mean I'm be the. You don't worry. I'm not going to be 90 years old and your pastor. But I, I. I mean, there's time to to change the channels. But it means I can't stop serving him. I know God, and I know how to be saved. I can lead you to know the, the, how, to, how to repent and believe in Jesus Christ so that you are righteous. I can tell you how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be full of the presence of God. I, can, I know those things. Do you know those things? Yes. You have a treasure in your heart. You have a treasure in your mouth that has to be told. Amen. You say, well, doesn't everybody tell? Do you know when they do studies of the church? Very small percentage ever share their faith in Jesus with anyone. It's really stunning. I don't know what to make of it. But I just know you and I can't do that. I need, I need to go. I, I, need to, I need to listen to him. I need to see things as they are. It's not, I, I can't just stay in my comfort zone. There's Samaritans and Judeans. There's people in Damascus. There's people at the remotest parts of the earth. There's people in Myanmar, the other side of the planet, ready to receive Jesus Christ, ready to step into eternal life, ready to find a Savior. Someone has to tell them. We need to do our part. It's all we can do, but we must do our part. Father God, Give us eyes that see, ears that hear. Give us a heart that understands, Lord. Not condemning, but a heart full of love, of compassion. A heart full of faith that says, this is the way. This is the way. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Fill us, Lord, with, with, with boldness, with compassion. Born of love. Born of love for people. Teach us to go. Teach us to live each day as a mission field. We love you, Jesus. We are so grateful that you've taught us to repent of our sins, to repent of our rebelliousness and independence, and to put our hand in yours and surrender and follow you. We yield to you. You are loving and pure and good. We have nothing to hide or no reason to run. There is no one better than you. We bow our knee to you, our Lord. Call you our master. And Jesus Christ, you, the son of God, died on the cross for my sins. The sins of the world, but you died for mine. Every one of them. You were punished. You became morally responsible for my lies and selfishness, my greed, my lust, my stupidity. You bore my sin. I believe that. I put my arms around you, Lord. I trust you as my Savior, and I will to the last breath in my body. Blessed be the one who has made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Blessed be the one who's washed me spotless and clean, who's made me a child of God and a co inheritor with you of all of the glory of heaven. Jesus Christ, I know these things you filled me with your spirit rivers of living water in my innermost being God himself dwells inside of me my strength my peace my counsel my wisdom I will never be alone again oh God send me send me wherever you will to tell people what you've done for me if you're ready to say that, do you understand how important this is? Jesus, I will not allow things to hold me back. I want to be sent wherever that is. I want, to, I want you to open my eyes. To whom? Where are you sending me? And Again, this doesn't mean it has to be in, to another country. It doesn't mean you have to even move. But it means you live a certain way. Would you say, Lord, send me? Why don't we say Isaiah's words, Here I am, send send me. me. Say it again, Here Here I am, send Send me. me. Come Holy Spirit now, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.